0: I guess I would say that your only job is to is to keep acting. I, I think that the 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 getting better will come from continuously acting, but just just keep working. The experience will sh- sort of sharpen that blade.
1: We're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott.
2: And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 217, I sit down for part one of our newest interview series with consistently working actor... Amir Talai. In part one, Amir talks about his beginnings in the Bay Area, why he doesn't believe in going to college for acting. Whoa, hot button issue. Gotta love that. How your type can be your way in, and what it takes to just keep working. Here's a hint. The definition is in the definition. All that (laughs) and more coming up in episode 217, so stay tuned to your earbuds.
1: Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro. Yes, indeed, Pro. It's the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, make stronger choices, and do a whole lot more, go to rehearsal.pro. IAP right now to learn about all the great features coming in the newest version of the groundbreaking app, Rehearsal Pro. Coming in early 2016. Reserve your copy right now at rehearsal.pro. IAP. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. It's always good to hear your voice, brother. Uh, any any career news to catch us up on before we jump into a few announcements?
2: Oh, yeah. We've got so much to get to. Uh, not really. I just The only thing uh, that comes to mind is uh, I was telling you before we uh, started recording that Ben and I had our final class of the quarter at UCLA today. And, um, you know, it's just really exciting. Some of the students shared their wins and shared what they got from the class. And I'm so excited to... Um, bring it into some other venues and some other universities and stuff like that. And we're, and we're definitely working on making that happen. So um, it was a very, very
1: cool. cool experience. And now we have that
2: on our resume. We taught grad students at UC. Yeah. UC, you
1: know? And you're, you'll be going back for round two at some point, right?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, they definitely want to have us back. It's just a matter of figuring out what that looks like. Um, for instance, we had like the second and third year grad students this year. So it may be the kind of thing where we're like, We just skip an entire year because, you know, it wouldn't make any sense to teach the second years the same exact content and bore them uh, to tears. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Um, But um, happened to run into the chair of the theater program um, on our way out today. He's a buddy of mine because we, we he was a grad student when I was an undergrad there. So it was um, cool to be able to catch him up. And he definitely sounds interested in, in continuing it and maybe even bringing it to the undergrads. So,
1: Man, how valuable would that be for undergrads to have exposure to that kind of stuff? <sighs> seriously, seriously. Con- basically condensing the podcast and everything that, that Ben has picked up in, in his journey as well. And just yes. offering that to people who are just... Everybody would go to UCLA. It would just be a big problem for every other school. It's going to put anybody
2: yeah, a problem, big you have a big problem with UCLA. Um, it would just put them all like light years ahead. It's crazy. It's just crazy how the things that are lacking in the in the in most theater programs out there. Yeah. If, hey, if any listeners out there have uh, ties to their alma mater and think that it would be something that would be valuable for your theater program. Uh, shoot us an email and let us know. And uh, maybe we can try to uh, create some kind of relationship there. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. All right.
2: Sweet. So, Aris, we've
1: got a couple announcements we wanted to just sort of um, give a nod to here before we jump into this, the, the meat of the episode. And the first one comes from a listener, longtime long-time listener, longtime long-time member of the podcast, longtime long-time supporter, good friend, Andy Goldberg. I had a chat with him this afternoon uh, for a good 25 minutes or so, and he was just telling me how uh, frustrated and helpless he felt at the latest news of, of yet another sort of mass shooting not only in the world, but in our country. And actually right after I got off the phone with him, I was checking my email and I saw an email I got from dig and it said that there have been 355 mass shootings in the past 338 days in the United States. Yeah. So that is more than a shooting a day and a mass shooting is described as four or more casualties, uh, as in addition to the shooter themselves, so uh, clearly we have a gun problem, and Andy was telling me how helpless he felt, and frustrated, and, and sad, and ugh, I'm I'm going through it too. If you can't tell right now, just thinking yeah. about this, and he wanted to do something. That's the long, the the short short version of the long story. And he figured out that, that he'd put a note out to people uh, on. Facebook and just say like look if you guys want to get together you know we're artists we're actors we're storytellers we have a responsibility here to be a part of this dialogue and shape the culture in a new way if anybody wants to collaborate and just make something i don't know what but something contact me and a lot of people contacted him and and i was just so on board with the idea and i think it's so wonderful to just you know be leaping not knowing what you're going to create but knowing that you that you've got the impulse and the push to create something leaping getting the support of a bunch of people and saying like let's just do something about this i don't know what it's going to look like but let's do something so uh, i offered of course to to shay to say something on the show shay something on the show and uh <laughs> and andy just just said uh you know like if people are interested have them email him at, at com. that's artists doing something it's all one word at gmail.com and they're going to be having their first meeting tomorrow well as of this recording tomorrow saturday at 2 p.m as part of the abc meetup that all our members get access to um twice a month every i think every first and third saturday of the month a bunch of our podcast members uh who are on the membership message boards and stuff meet up and collaborate and support each other and have a little mastermind Session And uh, the first one will be tomorrow. It'll probably be mostly members. Uh, but if you are not a member and you still want to be involved in this with Andy, just email him at com. And uh, mad props to you, Andy. I'm looking forward to seeing how it unfolds and, and stepping in and being a part of it where and when I can. So that's the first announcement. Yeah. The second announcement, uh, I know, it's just like... <sighs> It's
2: yeah, it's just, it's a, so, it's just so tough. And, and I, I just, you know, like, like you said, I just applaud Andy for, for, for wanting to step up and, and, and like you said, do something. And also to own that he's an artist or an actor, a writer, a director, a storyteller, you know, because yeah, I felt that way too. That's how, that's how the war cycle came into being, you know, it was like, Yeah, We're theater artists, we're actors, writers, directors, like what, what, what can we possibly do? And what we do is we tell stories and, you know, he's, he's owning that and, and saying, you know, I may not be a politician, a policymaker, uh, you know, uh, someone who can influence that in that way, but I am a storyteller and there is something that I can do. And he's, you know, so anyway, I just, I really yeah. applaud you, Andy, because yeah, we're we're all going through it. We're going through it as uh, as a as a nation. I was just gonna say for any of our international listeners, I guess it depends on where you're what where you're coming from in in the world, but uh, some may be able to relate to this, and some may not because it's just not an issue in their country. So, um, yeah. Anyway,
1: the U.S. is number one in terms of uh, gun violence across all the developed nations by far. I was also reading that, that guns kill pe- more people in the U.S. than I think like, uh, or actually maybe it was the world, than like AIDS and car accidents and like malaria combined. It was, it was like something completely ridiculous and completely, not completely, but largely preventable. And, you know, I think we need to get this figured out. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but man it'd be really nice if we all stopped shooting each other. Uh, and I just I just want to say like I, I one thing that Andy said which is a little bit of a throwback to our last episode where uh I quoted Anthony Yeslenick um, saying that, like you know, when you when something like this happens and everybody runs to social media and says that my thoughts and prayers are with the victims and with the families, it's like how that means nothing except don't forget about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is sadly accurate and sadly true. Andy had that impulse and he thought, you know what, that's worth nothing. Like I want to do something, and that, that's what this is growing out of. So I, I really hope that um, our listeners who feel uh, similarly um, collaborate and connect with Andy and, and the community and, and, you know, like, let's change the narrative. We're the ones to do it. It's our responsibility, right? Yeah. So let's do this. Change
2: the narrative. But like Hashtag that. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Seriously,
1: okay. So our second announcement comes from longtime listener Justin Nichols. He is part of the production team for a film festival, the Little—I'm Fil- sorry, Little Rock Picture Show. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horror, sci-fi, fantasy, animated—not uh, necessarily all of the above, but you know, features and shorts that fall into those categories. Uh, and uh, every year, um, they put this on, and past um, features and films that have screened there. Um, let me give another way to put this. It's got a nice tie with inside acting. Eric England, who's been a, a guest on our show before, Ace Marrero, a good friend of ours and, and guest on the show before. They've both had films there. In fact, I think they're, they worked on a film together that was one of the films that was there. And he just said, you know, like, since there's ties to the community and the podcast, I just thought you guys might want to um, give a shout out to it on the show and also offer listeners a discount. So if you are interested and you're in the area, Little Rock, is that in Arkansas? So it's in Little Rock, Arkansas, and you can uh, check out the link on our website, and if you'd like to go and and purchase tickets, you can get a, a discount on those tickets with the promo code IA2016, that's IA2016, so check that out link on our website. So those are the only two major announcements that we had before our... Uh, third sort of announcement which is tied in with uh, one of our favorite sponsors in the world
2: you mean VO2GoGo the award winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for best VO training four years in a row visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio that's V-O, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And the uh, announcement tie-in that Trevor was mentioning is that right now, uh, I guess in honor of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Cyber Week, they are offering some cyber specials. So if you go to V-O to gogo, go, V-O, the number two, gogo.com forward slash 2015 hyphen cyber hyphen specials, we'll obviously have this link on our website. Uh, they're offering... 20% off and uh, free home set up for you know to get set up with gear at home like a microphone mic stand headphones at home and maybe even David H. Lawrence 17th himself will come and set it up for you free installation and training I mean it's a it's a lot of really great stuff for uh, an absolutely reasonable price so check out vodogogo.com uh, slash 2015 hyphen cyber hyphen specials uh, link on our website to uh, to take advantage of 20% off, uh, which I think is lasting throughout the
1: week. Check that out. Badass. Yeah, huge value there. Check it out. If you, have, if you are VO curious, as we said last time, if you're at all VO curious, you owe it to yourself to check out the training and the deals that are going on right now. All right, so I think that's about all the time we've got before we jump into this first part with Amir Talai, and I'm really, really excited to hear this, just based on the notes that you typed out, AJ. Uh, there, there's some exciting things uh, that he shares, specifically around type, and spe- specifically around his his mindset around work.
2: The guy works consistently, as we said in the intro, and there's a reason why, and that reason is that he, he makes it his mission to be working consistently i know it sounds funny but you'll understand what i mean when you uh when you hear him speak in the interview it's it's good stuff
1: awesome all right well without further ado everybody get out your notebooks and pens and enjoy part one with amir talai we'll see you on the other side
2: This is AJ, and I'm very excited to be sitting here with a longtime professional actor. I, I want to say, like, your IMDb credits go back. I mean, there's there's got to be like 90 of them on here, and you've got <laughs> stuff going back all the way to 1992 on here. I don't know if that's, uh, that's all true. I guess we'll find out the truth <laughs> that's today. That's accurate. But it, all right, all right.
0: IMDb is infallible. <laughs> I always say.
2: Oh, yeah, that's. <laughs> screw IMDb. I hate
0: IMDb. But. <laughs> It's useful sometimes, I guess. It's
2: useful sometimes. Well, it's useful for me to be able to say, like, <laughs> you have been on uh, in some awesome television shows, feature films, you've done a lot of voiceover for animation and video games, which I'm really excited to talk to you about, because that's something I, I want to get into. And, uh, you know, some of your biggest credits, like, we were talking about before we started recording, like, um, What to Expect When You're Expecting, and uh, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., you were in the Kung Fu Panda series, like, there- there's so much here, and... and- I'm always so excited to talk about somebody who has like this very long, sustained, consistent storied career mm-hmm. because it's just like, oh, you are the working actor right right you know they say like the the, the number of actors that you know on TV, or, or you know my name who are like the big stars like the Brad Pitt's and the Angelina Jolie's represent like 1% of the 5% of the 100% of the <laughs> right. union that are actually working yeah. and then there's all these actors who aren't even in the union right. so you're part of that you know constant or consistently working actor who's making their living or maybe not we'll find out <laughs> you know being an actor and that's so exciting for for uh, me and I know our listeners to, to talk to somebody like mm. that so I really appreciate you coming on the show, and after that two minute long intro, Amir Talai, everyone. Yay! Happy thank to be here. Yeah, thanks thank for you. having me. Absolutely. So um, we usually do, you know, start at the beginning. Like, yeah. how the hell did you, you know, stumble into this, uh, or was it something that you, you know, went to school for? Or? Um. Well, I
0: don't. I don't believe in. I don't believe in getting a degree in acting. Oh, uh, that's
2: so interesting. Yeah. I, want, I want to talk to you about that specifically. <laughs> uh, should we just get right to that? Or you yeah, like, okay. I mean, well, I, I just feel I'm, like... I'm curious about your journey, of course. I took
0: acting classes in college okay. and high school and after college. And... So you did
2: go to college. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. Got, you just got a degree in something else. Exactly. Got it.
0: Yeah, uh, and I still take acting class to this day. Um, but uh, but I, I believe that uh, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage when you spend your sort of formative college years only studying acting. I I think it it fails you as a as a person. It makes you a less interesting person. And also I don't feel like Hollywood gives a crap if you have a degree in acting. So, you know, when you get a degree in in, in theater or drama or acting, whatever you want to call it, you tend to take some acting classes and then you take a lot of sort of like history of theater and theater criticism and all that stuff. And that's not stuff that's gonna really serve you in your career. It's going to serve you if you decide to become an acting teacher or a or a theater professor um, or perhaps a director or something like that. But uh, but I don't think that that getting a degree. My opinion, I don't think getting a degree in acting is is going to help you become an actor.
2: Can I ask what you did get your? Degree?
0: I got a degree in uh, communication, so basically advertising and marketing. Okay.
2: Um and uh, frankly, that's shaped my worldview a
0: lot. I more. was just going to
2: say you probably. Put that kind of like the marketing tools into play all the time for for yourself your acting career uh, not
0: not as specifically as that it's more so that it's it's made me understand my place in the machine mm. as an actor uh, it's made me uh, look at the way I see sort of media images and, and what I want to support what I want to be a part of you know what am I saying in the things that I do
2: it's Man, I feel like we could spend a really long time talking about just that. Um, that's so fascinating. So the reason that I was saying that I wanted to talk to you about that, or, or the, the the whole college thing, is because it's a, it's a I don't say hotly debated issue on the podcast, but it comes up a lot. Okay, we talk about it often because there's there's so many different you know ways of of looking at it. There's you know some people who say like don't go to college at all. Mm -hmm. and you know come right out to hollywood because youth is an asset and you 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 should be here and there's some people that you know um talk about how formative those college experiences are Mm -hmm. and that you know and so i think i don't know that anybody's sort of married the two which is kind of what you're doing you're saying like yeah sure go to college have those formative experiences become a better human Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily need to Get an acting degree.
0: Right. No. Be an acting class and if you can go to college in Los Angeles or New York where you'll be able to go to college and maybe audition at the same time, Mm -hmm. that's probably ideal. Um but uh but you know, that's not what I did and it worked out. So i I there's there's a hundred different ways to do it.
2: Yeah. Well, and we've had that many people on the show. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: um, where where in? I grew up sp- in the Bay Area. I went to college at UC Berkeley. Okay, um, and I worked up there. Uh, so as soon as I graduated, I started, you know, doing like voiceover and theater and uh, a teeny bit of TV, like industrial gigs,
2: stuff like that. Um, and this was all in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So that's like where your career sort of found its legs after school. Did you always did you always know that you wanted to come out of that program and go into acting?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I thought that I might work in advertising uh, and get, like, a job job and then sort of try to make it as an actor on the side, and then if the acting thing happened, then awesome. Like, that's that was the hope, right? But I wanted to have sort of a really steady uh, day job. But as soon as I got out, I, I, I came to the realization that, Um, Advertising, especially entry-level jobs, is like a 50, 60-hour-a-week job. Uh, And that would have left me no time to act whatsoever. So instead, I just ended up taking, you know, sort of hourly whatever jobs, you know, working at various dot-coms and things like that, um, and acting on the side. And after a couple years, the acting just sort of overtook the day job, and that was that.
2: Wow. Yeah. And did that, when it overtook the day job, as you said, did that happen in the Bay or did that happen? It in- happened
0: in the Bay. Yeah. Okay. It, it happened up there. Um, and then after about two years of that, I found that I was making, I was I was sort of in the upper echelon of Bay Area actors. And yet there definitely felt like there was a ceiling that I was hitting. Mm-hmm. And so I had some friends from L.A. and New York who were like, you got to get out of here. You, you, you could work in L.A. or New York. Uh, and I picked L.A. because I'm a California boy.
2: <laughs> and so here I you just can. came down. <laughs> here you are. Yeah. Um, that sounds far too easy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure. there Because, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, you uh, are familiar with, uh, friends of uh, Ben Whitehair, mm-hmm. and he and I are teaching this class at, at UCLA right now. And one of the things that we've told them is, like, f- for the most part, on average, of course, every story is different. But on average, it can take someone between, like, you know, six to 10 years to start actually turning a profit, so to speak, or like working Mm -hmm. um, where where their the majority of their income comes from, from acting. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been our experiences, the two of us. And then also, you know, a lot of people that we know, Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think supported you in making that happen so quickly to, to make that transition from the hourly, you know, jobs that you were doing into making the majority of your income as an actor?
0: I'm not entirely sure I think a, a, I think a lot of it is sort of for lack of a better word dumb luck you know I I I, uh, I, I put myself in the right sort of place a lot of the times uh, you know I would audition for for everything that I could um, and uh, and then you know I, I, I happen to be trained and talented and, and sort of experienced with theater and, and doing voices and being sort of marketable for voiceover in that way. Um, and then I just happened to have you know, a good look at sort of the right time and, and um, you know, I know that when I first moved down here, that was 2002, so it was, it was six months after 9-11. Uh, And there was definitely a desire to tell stories sort of around 9-11, you know? Yeah. Uh, And uh, if not 9-11 stories, but sort of, you know, inspired by. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was relatively easy for me to get seen for those type of roles because because there uh, weren't and still aren't that many Middle Eastern actors. Uh, and that allowed me to sort of get into rooms that I, that I, it still took me several years to get into for non-Middle Eastern roles, right? But, but I was able to meet, uh, you know, uh, 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 I was able to go to, you know, like Ulrich Dawson Kritzer, which, uh, is a tough casting office to get into, Mm -hmm. but I was able to get in there my first year without an agent because they just needed people to audition for those Middle Eastern parts. And I think that helped my confidence. Um, it helped with rep to, to be able to say, Hey, I don't have a rep, but I've already auditioned for this casting director, this casting director, this casting director, yeah. you know, it makes them think, Oh, well, he's a pro. He's not a total noob. Um, and then by the time that rep is submitting me for a non-Middle Eastern role, The casting director can say, oh, yeah, he came in for that, you know, terrorist that he didn't book last year. But I remember him. He's a good guy. He's a good actor. Sure, I'll see him again. Yeah. So I think that helped. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, that's dumb luck, right? Like, I didn't do anything to become Persian. (laughs) Right? That's just luck. So there's sort of random sort of zeitgeisty stuff. I suspect that right now if you're – look, I'm – sort of halfway pulling this out of my ass, but if you're like an Asian girl in her twenties, you know, I think with like fresh off the boat and Dr. Ken and um, I, I feel like there's one other show that, that, that centers on Asian people, but I'm, I'm losing it right now. But I think that you might have an easier time getting seen for a tiny role than you might have five years ago. Right. Right. And that's again, just dumb luck. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, t- dumb luck in that. You're right. You didn't have any choice in terms of <laughs> yeah. how you came out of the womb. But, but, it, but at that's the, same the thing It's like you-
0: random stuff happens. Right. Like 9-11 happened. And then for a year or two, people were very interested in telling stories about Middle Eastern people. Right now, you know, Fresh Off the Boat and Dr. Ken, those aren't world events, but they're still sort of events in Hollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. they are they're, they're, they're things that are in the zeitgeist. And people yeah. are interested in telling that story. Even down to, like, sort of Emma Stone playing an Asian woman in... in Hawaii. Or, Hawaii yeah. or Aloha. I forget yeah. what called. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think Hawaii. Um, you know, that was sort of an event that brought Asian women a little more into the zeitgeist and made people think about Asian women a little bit more than they had been previously. Right. And so, sort of all these random things are going to happen around you. And you can't plan for those. All you can do is just keep grinding... And if something like that happens, and you get lucky enough that your sort of type is in the zeitgeist at that moment, great. Otherwise, just keep grinding. I don't know that I'm—I don't know the sort of like Middle Eastern guys are as much in the zeitgeist as they used to be, and so that doesn't affect me, right? I just keep doing my thing.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, you—you—you you, you know, you're saying it—you it, know, it's dumb luck, like that—that that it happened to be in the zeitgeist. But you also could have. You could have run in the other direction. You you could have not uh, um, lined up your type with you know because it's it, it, it yes it is your ethnicity but it's also a type quote unquote mm-hmm. in 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 terms of storytelling yeah so you I mean. I guess you could have not embraced it. Um, sure, you know, because yeah. I, I've been <laughs> one of my favorite things that ever. Ha- we we had um uh, this guy you may be familiar with him. This guy named Mark Atterbury came on the podcast once, and uh, he does um, uh, workshops on on type for, okay. for actors to support them in like getting very specific about not only who they are, but then how to you know communicate or market that yeah. to the industry mm-hmm. so that they're making it. Less difficult for the decision makers to make those decisions, right? It's like sure. I fit in, you know, into a particular, you know, category, so that it's easier for you to say, like, oh, well, let's bring him in for this part that I have sure. that matches that. Um, and I was sitting in on one of his uh, uh, introduction introductory workshops, and there was a uh, an actress in there, and 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 Trevor and I still talk about this to this day, who said, "But she raised her hand. She's like, but I don't want to be pigeonholed. Yeah, right. I don't want to be." just seen as that yeah and so and that's what i mean is like i guess you could have you could have thought that and gone and 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 sort of fought against it or resisted it but it sounds like you just used it to your advantage and 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 worked on that in order to get in those rooms build those relationships then eventually get seen first for both middle eastern and non-middle eastern
0: yeah stuff yeah absolutely and i i empathize with that fear right you 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 worry that you're going to be playing you know if you're an asian woman you're going to Fear that you'll be playing stereotypical Asian women forever, right? Mm -hmm. You're only going to play like geishas and math whizzes, right? (laughs) Something awful like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I think that you have to, uh, you have to, you just have to let go of that fear and and know that if you have the capability to play outside of those types, that that you'll eventually earn those opportunities. Your way in is to do the thing that you're, that you, you are most easily sort of the mold that you're most e- that you fit into most easily right yeah not to say that i am a terrorist right but if if someone were to look at me briefly and they were to make a prejudgment that would be a sort of a a, a safe archetype that they could be like, oh well he could play a terrorist. I'm like, yeah, I, I could do I could do that. Right? And then I go and I read for the terrorist and they're like, Yeah, he doesn't really seem like a terrorist actually. <laughs> but good meeting him. Yeah. Right? But I got that audition. Yeah. And so yeah, I I, I I just I feel like especially people who are starting to cut themselves off at the knees like that by limiting their opportunities. It's just it's it's a it's a really it's a big mistake that being said you also have to turn down the stuff that makes your skin crawl right like Mm. i auditioned for this comedy central thing when i was first starting out where i had to make out with a camel and i left the audition i was like yeah i called my agent i was like yeah i'm not doing that i i really hope they don't cast me because i'm not doing that right yeah that's just awful yeah right um but but i think that there's all uh, there's very often the opportunity to bring nuance and humanity to roles that might lend themselves to stereotype. You know, like if you mm. look at, if you look at um, my friend Naveed, who played Abu Nazir in Homeland, right? Mm-hmm. Very easily could have been, uh, you know, he didn't see the script for the full season, right? He just saw whatever first episode he was in. Yeah. He auditioned for it. And I'm sure it came across as sort of one-dimensional, Especially if you're just seeing the beginning of a terrorist and like a couple scenes, you might think this this might go down a really crappy path. But I'm sure they, you know, they had a conversation of like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting part, and we want you to do interesting things with it. And he sure did, right? So that by the end of that, people didn't see him as, you know, a sort of prototypical prototypical. I'm trying to say something other than stereotypical. <laughs> Yeah, no, prototypical terrorist, um, right? He he didn't sort of like fit the original mold of a terrorist, right? He had a whole he had a whole lot going on. Yeah, um, and you know, and then that led to he's working nonstop now. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm so fascinated to talk about this in particular because. We talked about this before we started recording. One of the things that I've just dealt with and talked about even on the podcast mm-hmm. is like the 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 blessing and curse of being multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. The blessing being that like I get to go into rooms all the time to play guess. Like, right, yeah. you know, Latino to Serbian to Russian to Middle Eastern yeah. to, um, you know – what have you. I just had a, a pilot audition where the character was Egyptian. Uh-huh. Like, just, you know, running the gamut. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is like, oh, you know, he just was He didn't look that enough. Yeah. You know, he didn't sure. look X enough. Sure. And um, one of the things I'm taking away from this, which I'm really grateful to you for, is like, well, I got in the room. Yeah. And they saw me. Uh-huh. And, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I did good work and they'll call me in for something else right. at some other point. Absolutely. But it's been... Um, has been more of a source of frustration than a source of like, oh, how awesome is it that I got to meet that person and start that relationship?
0: Yeah, and it, it, if you think about it, you got in the room because you looked, you know, let's say Egyptian-ish, right? Yeah. And then you didn't get the part because you weren't Egyptian enough. So that role demanded a certain level of Egyptianness, right? Just yeah. the same way other roles demand a certain level of nerdiness or beauty or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So you got in the room, you did your thing, next time around there's a role that for which the, the, the ethnicity will not be an issue whatsoever. Yeah, like this guy could be Egyptian, he could be white, he could be I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to nail the I don't know, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but but Where, where's, really... that
2: where's that breakdown? Where's <laughs> no, that breakdown? There's in... a ton of those. I, mean, <laughs> the, I, I don't know. I go
0: out for a ton of sort of like ethnically ambiguous. Nice. Right? Or all ethnicities. Right? yeah where they don't, they don't know, I go out they don't for a care. lot yeah, yeah. right Yeah so that's the thing is in those situations, they, think, they know that they're not looking for a specific ethnicity. They're just looking for someone who can, you know do whatever sort of you're good at doing, right Not knowing you're acting, you know uh, uh, for me it would be we just want a guy who's funny, right It doesn't matter if he's white, brown or black. And sometimes it will matter if he's brown or black, but a lot of times the roles that I try out for, doesn't matter. We just want someone funny.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. It's, uh, it's, yeah, like I said, it's supporting me in sort of reframing some of those. That's good. Experiences. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, I am, I'm always grateful to go in, we say on the podcast, book the office, not the sure. role, yeah. you know, like build that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I am good. grateful for that. You also want to work. Of course. You know, we all want to work.
0: But there's so many reasons you don't get a role, <laughs> Right. And and, yeah. so, and so if and it, one of them is you weren't Egyptian enough, it's like okay, well that's just one more reason. Yeah, it's not about this role. It's about the office. It's about the career. It's about it's a marathon, right?
2: Yeah, marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, absolutely. What What do you find has been most effective for you in terms of? taking those next steps and building those relationships. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's something you still do today, but obviously you have rock-solid relationships with the casting directors and producers and stuff that you have already worked with and for. Mm -hmm. Um, When you are going in, like let's say maybe when you first started out and you were going in for like the terrorist stuff and you wanted to sort of stay in the minds of those people so that you would get called in either for another terrorist role or something else later on. What do you find is like most effective, especially, you know, and I'm asking because of what we talked about at the top of the interview, just the, the consistency Mm -hmm. with which you've, with which you've worked, you know, um, obviously work begets work and and that kind of thing. But what do you find that you're doing? I guess the question is, what are you doing when you're not acting that still has to do with the industry?
0: um, You know, that's that's a good question. I'm not particularly good at sort of actively cultivating professional relationships, um, in the sense that I'm not like I'm not sending emails. I'm not a big marketer. I'm not sending cards, really. Like I'll do a thank you card, um, you know, if if someone did something nice for me, but but mostly I feel like. The the way to to get to stay in people's minds, and this might... <laughs> let me finish before you go, yeah, that sounds easy. Is, <laughs> is to keep working. And the way to keep working does not necessarily mean keep booking guest stars in movies, right? It means um, be in class, do your friend's shorts, do theater, um, and just keep moving. It's about action, right? It's, I I don't, again, my opinion, I don't think it's about, uh, advertising. You know, when people say like, Hey, you know, McDonald's airs 12 ads a day because they're hoping that you show up, you know, that you think of them when you are hungry for a burger. I don't I don't feel like it works that way. I feel like it's about staying in people's minds through sort of experiences with you, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people are big on workshops and I, I feel like a a better way to spend your money is to meet actors who are going to recommend you to meet directors and producers who are going to recommend you to casting and to agents. Um, and the way to meet them is to say, like, I'll do whatever. I'll do two lines on your web series. I'll do a short play festival for a weekend, right? Those opportunities to show people your work and your professionalism, I think those are, stick with people a lot more than a postcard a week or a or a tweet. Yeah. Um, you know, not to say that the, the postcards and the tweets are, are – uh, pointless or irrelevant. I just feel like, I just try to get my work in front of people as much as possible.
2: Do you feel like the people who are the decision makers for the stuff that you will get paid for are, are involved in this stuff that you're not necessarily getting paid for? In other words, like you said, like your friend shorts or the web series or the or the short play festivals, like yeah. those kinds of things. There's enough crossover there that you are getting your work in front of people when you're doing those Quote-unquote yeah. unpaid projects? Yeah,
0: I think so. Oh, and by the way, a really important other unpaid project is auditions. And I know that of sounds course. ridiculous, but no. it, But it's, it's you know, every time you audition, you are leaving a memory with that producer. Of course. They're like, hey, you know, I might not be right for this, but the next thing, right? That That's that's a way of showing your work that is, uh, it, it, that, that is important in the sense that People don't think of it as a way of building a relationship, right? People think of auditions as a way to get a job or not get a job, right? Yeah. And um, I know that a lot of the work I've booked has been for people for whom I had auditioned three or four times previously, right? Whether yeah. it's producers, casting, whatever. Um, as far as like are producers watching short plays, not not specifically. But, but what'll happen is that if you're doing the play with an actor who knows the producer, then that producer might come visit and right. watch the play. Or that actor, you might have an audition for that producer, and that actor can tell you, oh, I know that producer. I'll, I'll make sure and call him and let him know that you're great to work with. right. Um, so, uh, yeah, of course not. Don't, don't do theater because you're going to get a lot of agents to come see it and go, <laughs> him, I like him, right? That, that, that sort of discovery thing, that doesn't happen. But it's about cultivating the relationships with other actors, right? Coming up together, helping each other out. I think that that
2: is really useful. Yeah. Uh, I love the saying, all boats rise with the tide. Yeah. I think it's true. <clears throat> That's fantastic. So interesting. That's another thing that I I never really framed in that same way. It's like doing those unpaid projects because the actors that you're working with might be able to support you in cultivating a relationship with a gatekeeper, quote unquote, or a decision maker, quote unquote.
0: And not just that, but the 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 actors and the sort of low level writers and producers, right? And just by low level, I just mean people who aren't getting paid, right? Mm-hmm. Not. I don't mean that pejoratively, but um, those people are going to go on to create more stuff, right? A guy who's shooting a web series that you work for may end up being a writer on a TV show in a year or a producer on a TV show in two years. Same thing with the actors. With so many actors creating material, if you end up acting opposite someone, um, they might put you in their series. Yeah. Two years down the road. Yeah. So just keep cultivating those relationships.
2: Yeah. So it's funny because I asked you, um, what are you doing (laughs) in the industry when you're not acting and all you said was acting, really, at the end of the day? But that's great. I mean, you know, it's totally true. You even said, you know, when we were talking about school, you said, I'm still in class. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I feel like it's one of the most quoted things that we we quote on the podcast. But uh, James Dumont uh, came on and said, your only job as an actor is to get better. Like your mm-hmm. your 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 job is just keep getting better as an actor and it sounds like, you know, between either experiential, you know, things where you're on set or you're on stage or through class, you know, that's where you're putting the majority of your, your focus.
0: Yeah. I guess I would say that your only job is to is to keep acting. Because I think that the, the, the getting better will come from continuously acting. But just just keep working, right? The experience will sh- sort of sharpen that leg.
1: What really sticks out to me about this interview right off the bat is the the juxtaposition in the advice about whether or not to go to school. Uh, because we just followed up this, this interview just follows up Jenna Fisher's interview and, and her advice was very clear on, you know, go to, you need, she feels you need to, to be in school during that time in your life to sort of develop as a person in a, mm, this isn't the word she would use, but in a, in a sort of proper way. And it just, it just helps you socially, uh, develop, uh, was her sort of feeling, and I'm totally paraphrasing her and don't quote me on that. Go back and listen to the way she puts it. But that was that was the general idea.
2: Yeah, and, and, and Amir's almost like a Venn diagram in a way or they are a Venn diagram. Like essentially they share a similar viewpoint while disagreeing on another one. So, you know, Amir's about like go to school for sure. Like go to college and have that experience because that is during a very formative time in your life and is going to support you in defining who you are as a person. His point is just like, It's not necessarily uh, necessary. Damn it! (laughs) I I (laughs) shot myself in the foot. It's not necessarily necessary to do so for acting specifically, and that you know, if you study something else and take acting classes on the side, you come out with the same degree with potentially more marketable skills, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and you also have been you know working towards becoming a better actor.
1: That was a much better so, way of putting it than I put it. But, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, it's just such an interesting. It, it, it doesn't always come up, but when it comes up, there's a, a whole other take on it and a whole justification behind that take. Yeah. And then this is one of them. So um, hopefully that was supportive for uh, our, our listeners. I know we have a lot of listeners um, who have written in, uh, called in in the past and said, what do I do about this college thing? So
1: yeah, yeah, we've got a question uh, for next for next episode that touches on that uh, again in a slightly different context than than usual. So, uh, but thank you, Amir, for for the chat, and that was this is just part one. We've got another part coming at you next week. That's right,
2: that's right. What is your uh, pick of the week, brother?
1: So my pick of the week is one of the most compelling sci-fi films I've seen in a long time, possibly ever. It's called Ex Machina. Uh, and it it kind of did the festival circuit about a year or two ago, and and just I think it got did pretty well. I don't know specifically, and I, I remember reading some reviews that sort of pan, um, criticized it a little bit, but it was so unexpectedly deep and fascinating, and all about human um, human behavior and and manipulation and and oh man it was it was really a trip and it's the kind of movie that i think i'm going to want to watch at least once or twice more to really soak up the nuances the acting was fantastic the writing was fantastic the special effects were fantastic and the the chick who plays the um robot in it is blowing up like she's she's now in like two other films i've seen her um sort of Um, featured in two other films and she's getting a lot of critical acclaim so uh, great film check it out especially especially if you're a sci-fi fan in fact if you are you've already seen this film i'm sure but if (laughs) if you haven't uh ex machina
2: yeah well not only did it not only did it make the festival circuit it got distribution because we saw it i remember seeing the the movie posters for it all over new york we were still there and um yeah it's definitely one of the ones not only was the not, not only was i intrigued by the um, by the poster to take a note from
1: Alexander Boylan,
2: Alexander Boylan. Thank yeah. you. Not only was I like intrigued by the poster, but I was also uh, hearing great things about it from uh, friends and, and, and whatnot. So yeah. uh, yet another stamp of approval. Thank you, Trev. I'll definitely be sure to check that out.
1: Please do. Cause I want to talk to you about it. Cause I, I, it's so cool, man. And I was watching it with my brother and he turned to me and he said, uh he said, This Like two-thirds of the way through, and he's like, this movie's freaking awesome. (laughs) You know it's a good sign when somebody turns to you and says something like that. Cool, man. So what's your pick?
2: Well, speaking of awesome films, so I stumbled upon this because they have, I I think they have a relationship with UCLA somehow, and so I got a a free membership, actually, for this website called IndieFlix.com, I-N-D-I-E-F-L-I-X.com and you can sign up much like Netflix you can actually sign up for a free month of the service and then it's only 5 dollars a month after that wow. if you're if you're a filmmaker if you're a writer if you're interested in making your own films and doing the festival circuit and stuff like that this is a hugely supportive resource not only in you know being able to see the content but also you can look through, they have uh, links to all of their relationships, like people who are, you know, they're, they're the distributors they have relationships with or the, the uh, festivals that they have relationships with. So the website for just a filmmaker and, and sort of checking out, oh, what, fi- what festival should I be interested in, that kind of stuff, the website's a wealth of knowledge there without even signing up for anything. If you do pay the $5 uh, a month, You get access to their entire library, which includes uh, short films, feature films, animated films, documentaries, all independently produced. Their whole philosophy is like, if you want to sit down and watch a film, great. We've got those 90 minutes to two hour films. If you have five minutes to kill and you just want to like see something fun or see something interesting they also have that so they always tell you like the length of the movie what kind it is what festivals it did if it won any awards um i mean it's really really great uh collection of stuff there and uh, i've already watched a few things a lot of little animated things and it's it's just so cool to to see that and i'm excited to check out um some of the feature length stuff as well so IndieFlix.com is the is the website there.
1: Cool. Excited to check that out.
2: Yeah, it's right like, up your alley, Trev, for sure.
1: Sweet. And then we've got a, a, st- a staff pick of the week, a team member pick of the week from Jasmine <laughs> uh, who is, is a book. It's a hardcover book with some illustrations called The Girl Who Buried Her Dreams in a Can. And this is uh, apparently uh, a book by Oprah Winfrey's all-time favorite guest.
2: Yes. Tara Rye Trent is her name. She's incredible her uh talk at the emerging women live stream which Jasmine uh, sent into the podcast before was inspiring uh, tear jerking uh just incredible she's amazing and uh this book is it's it's sort of a children's book but but it's it's for all ages i guess and um if you want to check out her uh emerging women live stream uh talk which is kind of like a TED talk um, you'll have more context around the title of the book and,
1: and, and who she be. It's amazing. Who she be, yo. <laughs> All right. So that is Ex Machina, an awesome sci-fi film. IndieFlix.com, that's flicks with an X, F-L-I-X.com, uh, for some awesome documentaries and shorts and, and um, independent film. And then The Girl Who Buried Her Dreams in a Can, a very moving book from a very powerful woman. Uh, It looks really... I'm just looking at the Amazon page now, and it looks incredible. There are links to all of those picks on our website, as well as uh, links to Amir's... uh, I'm sorry, yes, links to Amir's social profiles, IMDb, things like that. uh, Where to find out more about him. And I think that about does it then for this episode. Yeah?
2: Yes, sir. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, AJ Meyer, and of course... Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algat edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music.
1: You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, insideacting.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and your reviews there are hugely appreciated.
2: Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. Be sure to check out their cyber specials going on this week. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and want to maximize its value in your life and career, sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks. Just visit
1: InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab to sign up. All right, and that's it for episode 217 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, all boats rise with the tide.